Hello. Welcome to the Monroe Method Nutrition. Climbcast, God, that's a mouthful, isn't it? I'll need to come up with something a bit more snappy than that. Um, welcome. I've decided that I might, I've decided that I might do something. Um, I've almost decided that I am going to make this a public podcast because it makes sense, right? If I'm going to record something and put it out there for our members, um, why not just put it out there for the whole wide world to hear? And then everyone can benefit and learn a bit more and all that stuff. So for the benefit of those that might not be too clued up in who I am, uh, my name is Jason Monroe. I am an MNU certified nutritionist. I have been helping people with their nutrition, their weight, their lifestyle, their mindset since around 2016, towards the end of 2016 through 2017. And for the last six months of 2017, I started to create what was going to be at that time Monroe Fitness because that was my name on Instagram and it was about documenting my own um, weight and wellness and fitness journey. Um, so it was just a kind of natural progression that when I did, you know, monetize my help and my advice and my coaching um, on the 1st of January 2018, Monroe Fitness was just the way it went. Today, almost exactly, almost exactly, I mean, we're like a month and a bit away, um, four years on, we are now Monroe Method Nutrition, which makes me feel wonderful, you know, I went through a time where I was like, why are we called Monroe Fitness, that's so con such a confusing message, um, when I'm not a fitness professional, um, so I rebranded at the start of this year, 2021, um, and I've felt much better about it since. So, what is the purpose of this podcast? Uh, I started the podcast two years ago, 2019. I went to my mother-in-law's caravan. Um, the acoustics were great in there for recording a podcast. No echo, no nothing. Lots of soft furnishings. It sounded great. Um, so I recorded one episode and that was it. I didn't do anything else after that. I, I prefer video for some reason. But um, I asked our members a couple of weeks ago, what more could I be doing for you? What more would you like to see in this group? You know, because it's all good and well me coming up with ideas, but, you know, my ideas might not be useful, as useful as I think they're going to be. Um, so one of the wonderful suggestions that we had, and a few people kind of backed it up, was that we do a podcast. Um, initially, I was like, no, I'm not adding a bloody podcast on, but we normally do a weekly live chat in the group where myself and my co-coach Louise go live and do a live video um, and we chat about various topics sometimes we get fancy and even have slides in the presentation um, so I'm going to alternate I am going to go live but I am also going to record a podcast in alternating weeks and when we do the podcast like I did this weekend with our weekend post I asked everyone to give me some questions. Now, I have decided I was not going to look through them and pick them out. I am going to look through them right now and see whatever tickles my fancy right at this very second. Um, because my the things that I enjoy talking about vary from time to time. So, let's see what people have asked. That's fine, that's fine. Okay, yeah, this was a good one. This was a very good one. So Sarah Jane asked this question. I'm currently finding colleagues bringing things into work is my downfall. So tips to not being a complete antisocial spoil sport, but avoiding 
binging would be great. Now, there, there's lots of different parts to this, right? So number one, other people, this is the important part. If I could underline that in text, I would. Other people are bringing food into work. That has absolutely nothing to do with you. This is a really important thing to remember, right? What other people are doing, especially when it comes to food, has nothing to do with you at all. And this comes back to bringing, bringing our thoughts back to what food is. Food is, there's probably some cool way to say this, but I'm probably not going to do it off the top of my head, but food is a physical representation of the fuel that we consume, right? Our body needs calories to run. It needs the energy contained within something to actually fuel it each day. In the same way that a car, a petrol car runs on petrol, a diesel car runs on diesel. Our body requires fuel. It just so happens that that fuel comes from the foods that we consume. And this is where people start to get a little bit mixed up. They, they forget what this food is for. They forget why they are eating. People very, you know, they very quickly get into the mindset that food is this thing that we eat just to resolve hunger. That's all it's for. It doesn't do anything else. When the reality is it, it contains the energy that keeps us alive. And if people spent more time thinking about that and thinking about it in that way, they probably wouldn't have as many issues with their weight or as many issues with um, overeating, eating for no reason. And, you know, when, when we talk about, or when I talk about not yeah, you know, other people. So we go back to the start. Other people are bringing food into work. That has nothing to do with you, right? That you feel obliged to take part in this social eating thing, that's a you thing. You're putting that pressure on yourself. Um, so Sarah Jane said, um, an antisocial spoil spot. You know, who who says you're an antisocial spoil spot? If someone says that you are a spoil sport or antisocial, for not eating because they are eating, then the other person is an idiot, quite frankly. The food that we consume, we consume to, yes, food can be social, food can be, you know, interactive, but, you know, socializing is that, spending time with people, having a social interaction. Food can be a part of that. You can go out with someone and have a coffee. You can go out with someone and have a meal, but... You know, if you've just had your dinner and someone asks you to go for dinner, you don't say, oh, yes, I'll come for dinner because you don't want to be a spoil sport. You've just bloody eaten. It doesn't make any sense. And I talk about this thing where the more things that we anchor our eating to, the more our weight is handed over to these things and taken out of our control. So people that eat when stressed, eat when bored, eat when they're in the car, eat every time they go somewhere, you know, like... Every time we go to Ikea, we get a hot dog at the end. But, you know, we go to the restaurant and get meatballs. And then at the end, there's a hot dog stand. So we get hot dogs too. Or, you know, every time we go to the cinema, we go get a massive pick and mix. And every time you go somewhere, there is some form of eating attached to it. Um, so, yeah, stress, boredom, procrastination. Um, people eat when they're happy. People eat when they're sad. People eat to celebrate. People eat to commiserate. You know, the more, the more things... You know, once we externalize the way that our reasons for eating, then your body has no say in it. Remember, your body has 
these internal mechanisms that are working all of the time to achieve homeostasis, okay? Homeostasis is the kind of equilibrium, the balance of all things. Your body is trying to achieve homeostasis. Your body needs a certain amount of water in a day. How much exactly will vary massively from person to person, but when you are thirsty, it's because your body needs more water to help maintain this homeostasis. When your body tells you you're hungry, it's the same reason. Your body's trying... We've used energy today, we need to replace that energy. Your body's trying to maintain this homeostasis. But, and, and again, like even when you're eating, have you ever noticed when you're eating and you're starting to eat too much, you start to feel full? Have you ever reached the point where you've eaten so much that your stomach started, your, your um, throat is starting to close up? Your body's actually trying to physically stop you from putting more in? Um, things that used to happen to me once upon a time. When I had a terrible relationship with food. This is your body telling you it's time to stop. And when we override these things, when we eat when we're not hungry, when we keep eating when we're full, when we eat right after we've eaten, when we've eaten, when we're eating for no reason, just because we're sat in front of the TV, just because we're having a cup of tea and we've attached this thing where we always have two or three biscuits. And then that's another one that you anchor it to. You know, if you have two or three biscuits with a cup of tea, how many biscuits you have in a day is determined by how many cups of tea you have in a day. So again, handing over consumption to something else to have it. So I went way off the track of what I was even getting at there. But the whole antisocial thing, um, I remember what it was now. The whole antisocial thing, you know, if you do not have a reason for eating, then you don't need to eat. If other people, if you ate every time someone brought food in or every time someone else was eating or every time you were offered food, then where where do your needs come into it? You're allowing your weight to be governed by other people, by other things, by the external. But at the same time, you're choosing to do it. So you're responsible for doing that. So the only reason, Sarah Jane, that you feel like, or you might feel like some sort of antisocial spoil sport is because that's a vision of yourself that you're creating. That's completely on you. Nobody else is going to sit there and say, God, look how antisocial she's being, not eating when everyone else is eating. Like, fuck other people, honestly. It's some, it's something that really bugs me. You know, when I worked in my old job, I tell this story quite a lot now. Um, I once threw a chair at someone for commenting on my eating habits um, because I had just went to, I'd just had my lunch and then I came back up and had something else because I left a big bit of my lunch because it wasn't very good. And um, this guy always commented on what I was eating and it honestly got to me so much. So it's a bit of a bugbear with me, this whole other people thing. Um so yeah, the reason that's your downfall is that you allow it to be. You have created this thing where when other people bring food into work, you feel the need to participate. No one else is making you feel like that. You're making you feel like that. So come at it from the angle that I just said. Food is fuel. I have already eaten today. I've just had my lunch. I've just had my breakfast. Like whenever it is, I don't need to eat that. If you want it, have it. If you're eating it solely because you're trying to join in with some kind of social thing where everyone's eating. I used to work in a job um, 
couple of lifetimes ago, this one, in a plant hire company. And we used to always do Fat Fridays. And Fat Fridays was the um, the sales rep would do Greg's in the morning. He would get the cakes and the sausage rolls and the pasties and whatever else. And then my boss at lunchtime would go to McDonald's or to the local Chinese or whatever and pick up a takeaway and we'd have that as well. And this was Fat Fridays. And, you know, I was only like 20, 21 at the time. I was getting handed free food. I did not care. It wasn't an issue. I wasn't overweight at that, specifically at that time, but I was soon after, funnily enough. Um, and I know that this goes on in so many places. I used to work in a call centre once upon a time where everyone got to the point where they complained about the food culture in there because it was like, you know, at the weekend you would get a bonus for getting a booking. Um, it was at Thomas Cook, I think I said call centre. It was a Thomas Cook call centre, travel agent. Um Every time you got a booking, you could go up and pick a cake or a sweet or something. And so many people complained about it because many people had issues with their weight in there. We sat down all day on phones, not doing much. Um, and yeah, we all complained about it and they changed. You know, someone that left the company started their own fine foods business and she used to come in at the weekends with crates of fruit. Every time you got a booking, you got to go up and get a piece of fruit. So, I mean, this kind of culture goes on everywhere. But it is entirely within your control to choose whether or not you are going to participate in it. Now, the last part of what you said, which is completely separate, avoiding, but yeah, it was tied into it in this context. So I'll read it out again. Um, I'm currently finding my colleagues, currently finding colleagues bringing things into work is my downfall. So tips to not being a completely antisocial spoil sport. To not being a completely antisocial spoil sport and avoiding binging would be great. Now, binging, that's also a choice. Why, where does the binging part come into this? This is very black and white thinking. Like, you're either an antisocial, antisocial spoil sport or you're, or you're binging. You know, you've created this idea that you only have two options. You can throw yourself in head first and completely overconsume, or you can be antisocial, antisocial and not take part at all. You know, how about you don't, you, you know, and this, the ultimate, ultimately this comes down to you changing the way that you view this, um, because this is all created by you, no one thinks you're being antisocial, no one thinks you're being a spoil sport, and at the same time, the, the only other option, not taking part, isn't binging, there's a number of other things that you can do. So yeah, I think this just comes back to understanding why it is that we eat. Yes, we can enjoy food, we can enjoy the taste of it, we can enjoy eating in company. Um, yeah, I've, I've done this big thing recently. I, I think it was in the group last week, I recorded a video and spoke about how, you know, we don't have to consume thousands of calories to be social. Um, I've spoken to many people that feel like they've got a lot of catching up to do on last year, like they missed out on so much because of COVID around Christmas and, you know, I'm going to fully enjoy myself, like, and, and socialise because I missed out on all this stuff. The only thing that we missed out on last year was face-to-face -face social interactions. We did not miss out on eating, we did not miss out on drinking, we could still do all those things. But being social, socialising, that is having a social interaction with someone. It does not have to have eating attached to it. You can go for a walk and socialise with someone. You can invite them, you can invite someone over to your house and be social with them. 
You can go out for coffee, you can go out for a meal. You're not going out specifically to eat for the full duration of the time that you spend with that person. That person is having their dinner, you are having your dinner, you just happen to be sharing that meal together. Does that make sense? So it's not antisocial not to eat when other people are eating. Anyway, spent long enough on that one. Let's, um, I hope that's been helpful. Let's check out what's next. Lavinia was one I wanted to do, actually. Um, if you have a binge restrict relationship with food, what quantifies as binge behavior? I thought I had quite a healthy relationship with food and most of the reason I put on weight was due to a mixture of medication and extremely poor and severe mental health for a period of time. Okay. I'd love to know how do you identify if you have a... Right, let's do that part first. How do you identify if you have a binge-restrict relationship with food? Well, at the risk of being completely... giving you the complete obvious answer... Binge would be when you overconsume, and restriction would be when you intentionally restrict in an effort to make up for the binge. That's binge and restrict. So let's say, right, today's Sunday. I'm recording this on Sunday afternoon. So let's say last night you had a takeaway, and then you had a bunch of other stuff after that, to the point where you were physically uncomfortable, but you were in control of your choices then that would be, it would be through choice, right? You intentionally binged through choice for some other reason. Now remember, I'm saying intentionally because we don't do things unintentionally. And I'll come to that in a sec because there is a fine line between binge eating disorder and binge eating. Choosing to binge eat is often influenced by the way that we think, act and feel about certain foods. And that comes down to our relationship with specific foods. But I don't want to get too into that in this one. Um... The restrict part is when you wake up the next day and you intentionally don't have breakfast. Now, if you wake up and you're not hungry and you don't have breakfast, you're not restricting. If you wake up in the morning and all you can think is how terrible you feel about the night before, how many calories you consumed, how much you've eaten, um, if you experience any guilt or any shame, and then... You, you start to skip meals, then you are restricting and you are binging and restricting. Now, it's, it's really important to understand that there are varying levels of binge eating. And when it comes to defining between what is an eating disorder and what's not, so this is when it starts to get into the, the realms of where I'm qualified to help and where I'm unqualified to help because eating disorders are mental health disorders and they have to be worked on with the relevant... Um, professional, it's not the word I want, but with a relevant professional um, that, w that can work specifically with people with eating disorders. And when we talk about binge eating disorder, um, I went to a conference a couple of years ago and there was a wonderful woman there. It wasn't, was it Philippa Potts? It wasn't, it was the other one. Oh, I can't remember her name now, but she was hilarious. She was wonderful and hilarious. And was it Philippa Potts? I'm Googling it just now. Um, oh, I can't remember. Anyway, and she was telling us all about um, who was Philippa. She was telling us all about the differences, and we spoke about so many different things. But when it came to binge eating disorder, the way that we define the difference between eating disorder and just someone that binge eats from time to time is a complete loss of control around food. 
and she described it as it's almost an out-of-body experience where the person, you know, they have the urge, they try to fight it, they eventually give in, and they suddenly come back to themselves not aware of what they've just done, and yet there is wrappers and food and stuff all around them. That's how we cla- That's how we separate the difference between someone that just has a poor relationship with food and may binge eat from time to time, and someone who is suffering from a mental health condition with a- an eating disorder, binge BED, binge eating disorder. Um, so for anyone listening, if you ever find yourself in that position, then you need to get the right help for the right thing. We can try and force ourselves through diets, and yes, you might, um, you might well make it to the finish line. You might well make it to a target. You might well lose weight. I've spoken to countless people who have binged and restrict the restricted their way to their target weights. I've spoken to um, Weight Watchers cover girls and Slimming World magazine success stories, who have opened up to me about the methods that they had to use to get to where they were, to then become featured in the magazine. You know, and these people are looked up to and respected by the tens of thousands of people that read these magazines. These people inspire people on their own journeys, and yet they don't know what's went on behind the scenes. They don't know what that person's done, um, and indeed what that person is still doing in an effort to maintain their weight. I've spoken to people who have six-figure followings on Instagram who have reached, you know, these are people so deep in the slimming world, so looked up to with their recipes and they've got their blue ticks and they're making money from their fucking spice and taste codes and all that shit. And yet, they've reached out to me, a few of them over the last few years, to ask advice. Very, very timidly and dancing around it and you know what would you do if someone was doing this and you know how would you help someone if they were doing that and it's the reason that I post so much about Slimming World and it's not like I make these things up I know that this goes on I know that there are people who yes they do reach their target weight wonderful but at what cost your relationship with food is of far more importance than any number on a scale anyway segue uh, so yeah, that's the binge and strict relationship. That's how you identify if you have a binge and strict, binge and restrict um, behaviors around food. So binge behavior is intentionally over consuming. Um, and I say you may feel like it's not intentional. It is. If it wasn't intentional, you wouldn't do it. No one else is doing it. No one's pinning you down. No one is putting food in your mouth. No one is working your jaws to make you chew it and then massaging your throat to make you swallow it. You are doing that. So it is a choice. It can often feel like it's not a choice, but it is. And the difference between, as I said, if, you know, there are people who do have BED, who are having complete out-of-body experiences where it's like someone else has taken over. Those are the people that need the right help for the right thing. Not a diet, not to lose weight, not to chase numbers on a scale. They need to address that before they even think about anything else. Um... Yeah, so yeah, next part. Uh, I thought I had quite a healthy relationship with food and most of lose weight. So if if you're binging, then you don't have a healthy relationship with food. Um, because you're using food in a way that it's not intended. Um, and it's a relationship with food that leads to us binging. Like, I used to do it when I was younger. 
with this whole, you know, the whole mindset of start on Monday, you know, you get whatever on a Friday, then it continues all weekend. And then I would try and go on a diet, um, you know, in my mid-twenties when I started caring about that sort of thing. I'm 36 now. Um, you know, I'll try and go on a diet, fight it, fight it, fight it. And then you would eat one thing and say, oh, I wasn't allowed that. You know, I, I once followed Scottish Slimmers and it had all these rules like they all do. It wasn't as bad as many. They did acknowledge that calories exist. Um, like Slimming World, you had these things called checks. They weren't necessarily, well, they were kind of like sins. But they weren't just meant to be spent on certain foods. Um, checks were like your points in a day. You calculated them based on a number of things. And you had however many checks. And these checks, each of them added up to 25 calories. I think, I can't remember what sins might be the same. It's supposed to be something like 20, 25 calories. Something like that. Um, and yeah, I, I would, I had an unhealthy relationship with food at that time because the way I was using it. I'm not going to have a biscuit, not going to have a biscuit, I'm not allowed a biscuit, fuck, I'll just have one. Then you have one, then you feel shit about one, so you finish the whole packet. That's an unhealthy relationship with food. But it's created by the plans that you're following, the things that you expose yourself to, the language that you use, the diets that you've done in the past, the people you surround yourself with, the people you expose yourself to on social media, that sounded terrible, you know what I mean. Your eyes, not exposing yourself to people. On social media. <laughs> Fuck's sake. Right. Um, so yeah. I put on weight and was due to a mixture of medication and poor mental health. Do you know what? That's a really important one to cover. There are very few medications in the world that actually directly influence weight gain. As in, they're, uh, and I, I can't remember what they are, but they're not related to mental health. They are something else or something else where you can gen it can genuinely impact the way that your body stores fat or something like that. Um, but that's doctor stuff, not nutritionist stuff. There are very few medications that directly impact weight gain. Um, but it's often mentioned as a side effect because there will be some sort of indirect impact. For example, if, if someone was given steroids, there would be a side effect of weight gain. Not because steroids make you gain weight, but because steroids can ramp up your appetite. So if something ramps up your appetite and you are obviously going to eat more, then that's where the side effect of weight gain comes in. Um, when people are put on things like antidepressants or anything kind of related um, to mood, um, depending on what they are, they may have some form of tranquilizing effect or kind um I can't think of the word and I'm trying to think of, but you know what I mean, they kind of slow you down a bit. I've been on them before. Made me sleepy, made me sluggish, made me not very energetic. In that instance, weight gain might come from um, the impacts on your reduction in activity level. Maybe you're sleeping more or napping more, you know, just more inclined to sit down more often when you might be more active. Um, so you can see how in those both examples, one indirectly impacting weight gain through the increase in appetite with steroids the other one when it's kind of mood enhancers or suppressants whatever the the instance may be um activity level reducing can then lead to to weight gain so yeah um i think i can answer all of that there because the other part was more just telling me about mental and yeah mental health you know if if something influences your mental health and then 
again, as I said, you know, I've went through terrible periods of stress and anxiety. I talk about it quite a lot on my Instagram. Um, I used to, I used to be terrible for stress eating. I still get the urges to stress eat. I'm just much more aware of them now. And I just observe them. It's like, yep, I am stressed. Yes, my body is telling me to get something to eat, but I know why it's doing it now. It's a distraction technique. I am doing something stressful that is causing me mental harm, mental pain. My body wants to relieve me of that. So it's making suggestions on what I could do right now. And it knows that in the past, if it makes my tummy rumble, then I'll take myself away from the stressful situation and I will find some food. Um, but it's been many years um, since I was a slave to that one. Right. Um, this was a good one by Sally. Very exciting. Oh yeah, very exciting in reply to something unwritten. But how does one get out of the weight loss mindset when they get to maintenance? especially if they have been on the weight loss phase for a while. This is the thing, isn't it? People spend, many people spend their entire lives dieting. And here's the thing, right? We also spend our entire lives gaining weight. The difference is we don't intentionally gain weight. We don't go out of our way to gain weight. It just happens as a result of our choices. So think of it this way, right? Because this is quite a mind fuck. Um, We gain weight when we are focused on other things, right? We gain weight when we are focused on holidays and barbecues and um, parties and day-to-day life and stress and whatever, right? The way that those things influence the way that we fuel our bodies is what leads to weight gain, right? Nobody nobody sets out to intentionally, unless someone actually has a reason to gain weight, right? But for the vast majority of people that would listen to this, you're not setting out with the intention of piling on pounds, right? Nobody does that. It just It's an unfortunate outcome of all the fun stuff in life. <laughs> um, but... When people set out to lose weight, they do it intentionally. So the reason that this feels like such a a difficulty is that we focus, when it comes to losing weight, we have to focus and try and put effort into it. And then when it comes to going in the other direction, it just happens. And we forget to acknowledge the fact that we have indeed gained weight in the past. We have maintained our weight in the past. However, we didn't focus on those things. The weight loss is the thing we focused on. And that's why it feels difficult to get out of that mindset. We treat it differently to how we treat the other things that our weight can do. So yeah, you know, I've uh, I've helped in some shape or form um, well over 10,000 people in the last four years, five years by this point. And the vast majority of those people were yo-yo dieters. It seems to be the kind of niche that I've found myself in where um, it's people who have been chasing their weight up and down for years. But that's the thing, though. We don't chase it up. We chase it down. It goes up itself. Um, and this is why, at the kind of core of our approach, you know, the, the things that we do, the tracking, 
the calories, the macros, the education, all of this has a purpose. Not The purpose isn't to keep it going forever. The purpose is to learn. The purpose is to teach. You know, we use these things as tools to teach us what a balanced plate of food looks like, what a balanced day of eating looks like, to learn the, the nutritional values of the things that we consume, to learn portion sizes, to learn how to put meals together that will satisfy us and um, what is the word that I'm looking for? Nourish our bodies. That was the word I was trying to think of. Nourish. That will satisfy and nourish our bodies and help support our weight and our health in the long term. So yeah, when it comes to getting out of this weight loss mindset, um, listen, if you lost weight, if you stayed in a calorie deficit forever, you would die because there would be nothing left of you. Um, weight loss, you know, it's like asking the question, how do I get out of the money-saving mindset? You know, I've been saving money for so long, how do I change and get into a spending mindset? It's a very similar thing. You know, weight loss is, you know, when we save money, for the most part, people do it as like a short-term thing to achieve an outcome. I am going to save money up because I need a new car. I am going to save money up because I need a deposit for a mortgage. And yeah, you know, when we go on a diet, a short-term diet, it's to achieve a short-term, it's to achieve an outcome. You know, I often talk about it like not dieting, not being a diet, but I have different, you know, people use the word diet and don't understand what it means. So like that diet... By de but diet, the word diet has two definitions, okay? The first one is the types of foods that a, an individual or a group uh, or a community habitually consumes, right? So that would be like the, the British diet or the Kitman people diet or the Mediterranean diet, right? Or your diet. Now, your diet is not this, the thing that you do or don't do. Your diet is everything that you're already doing all of the time. When you start doing Slimming World, you are starting a, sorry, second definition was a short-term restrictive diet to achieve a goal, something like that. So when when you when you do something like Slimming World or Weight Watchers or whatever else, you are essentially doing number two, a short-term restrictive diet where you only have permission to eat certain things at certain times and you're limited by how much you can eat each day and all of that jazz. Whereas your daily habitual diet is how you eat all the time. So even when you're gaining weight or whatever else, you know, when you're not focused on weight loss, you still have a diet. It's just the unhelpful one that's leading to weight gain. And this is why everything that we do inside Monroe Nutrition, it is all geared towards the long term. It is all geared towards creating a new, like a, you know, the things that we do to teach and encourage and all of that inside our group has a place in everyone's future. They don't have to, you know, but get to the end of the time with us and then track for the rest of their lives. You know, you cannot track for three, four, five, six months and not have learned something along the way. You should be able to take away that tracking app and carry on eating exactly as you have been for the last six months, say. You know, the app isn't, tracking apps don't tell us what to eat. 
We are using the app. We are telling the app what we are eating. I think that's probably another reason that people do terribly when it comes to calorie counting or setting out using MyFitnessPal on their own. They allow the app to tell them. You know, if you're going into an app to say, what am I allowed to eat today? What do I have left? How many calories do I have left to eat? Then you're completely losing sight of why it is you're tracking. You are tracking your calories. Your calories are not tracking you. That doesn't work, does it? Um, but you get the idea. We're telling the app. The app's not telling us. We're the ones in control. The app's not controlling us. Um, so yeah, <laughs> tangent. Um, when it comes to maintenance, I suppose the best way to think about it is that weight loss is the easy bit, right? You may be laughing out loud or shaking your head in disgust at that, but hear me out. How many times have you lost weight in the past? Take a moment to think about it. How many years have you spent focused on weight loss? How many times have you dieted down to a certain weight and then you've stopped and put it back on again? Weight loss is the easy part. The hard part is your inability to maintain that loss because that's the part where you keep failing. I don't want to say failing unless, you've, uh, unless you're intentionally doing it, and unless you're intentionally trying to maintain your weight. Like people lose weight and don't have an exit strategy. They haven't learned anything. They, they, you know, when you do a short-term diet, definition two of the word diet, you know, what's happened? Something has to happen from A to B so that you don't, you don't go back to A again. So, again, weight loss is the easy bit. You have done it countless times. You know that you can do it. What you don't know how to do is maintain your weight. What you don't know how to do is live your life in a way that doesn't... It, um, that doesn't lead to weight gain. That's the hard part. Gaining weight is easy. But the ability to not gain weight, that's the hard part. So when it comes to maintenance, you know, maintenance, it's it's a tricky thing because you, you feel like you've put so much effort into the weight loss part, even though it's been easy on paper and you've achieved it, it's been difficult, it's felt difficult, but ultimately, it is not hard to lose weight. It can just be hard to find the motivation to do things sometimes. It can be hard to be patient sometimes. It's all the little parts of it. You know, on paper, consume fewer calories than you burn and you will lose fat. Every person in the world will lose fat in a calorie deficit. It just comes down to creating a way of doing that that you enjoy and that you can sustain until you do achieve whatever outcome. But ultimately, it's the easiest part. The real challenge that you should be relishing is the next part. You know, you should be getting to that point where you say, right, this is the last time I am going to spend that time, energy, money, and space getting to this number on a scale, getting to this dress size, getting to this level of confidence where I enjoy having my picture taken and, you know, not hiding myself in photos of the kids or deleting pictures, you know, whatever your thing is specific to you. It's all good and well me saying, oh, you should be able to accept your body and blah, blah, blah. 
but it just doesn't work. You can't just tell someone, yeah, you should just accept yourself. It doesn't work. Um, it's something you have to learn on your own in time. Um, and as much as I agree with that approach, and I think it's amazing, and it's something that I had to learn a long time ago about acceptance and that your body isn't supposed to look a certain way, I know that the vast majority of people that I work with, that I speak to, they still have their things. They still have their things that they don't like. There are things that they will probably never change. Um, you know, as much as I try to encourage people not to chase numbers on scales, not to chase uh, exact numbers and all of that, people still do it, right? You can't stop them. You can just tell them that, you know, you should probably have other reasons for losing weight. But anyway, you know, you should be at that point when it gets to maintenance where you're telling yourself, this is going to be the last time. I am not putting myself through all of that again. I am not going to undo all of my hard work. That was part one of my journey finished. Here comes the rest of my life. What have I learned in the last six months while reaching this end result? And how am I going to put that into practice now? And I know that with the people that I work with and the things that we teach them and the balance of nutrition that we encourage and all those other things, that if they carry on as they are doing most of the things most of the time, then they will more or less maintain their weight in the long term. Remember that weight maintenance is not about keeping your weight at an exact number on the scale for the rest of your life. You know, you will lose and gain weight forever. You are supposed to. You have been doing it since the day you were born. You will do it until you leave this earth. What we are trying to do is get to a point where we maintain our weight within a manageable range. You know, let's say, pulling numbers out of the sky, let's say after Christmas and New Year, you are 10 stone. And then with, with no effort, with little effort, maybe, um, through that start of the year, things settle down a bit and your weight comes down a bit. And then the weather starts to pick up in spring and into summer and you become a bit more social and whatever. And your weight goes up a little bit more. And then at the end of summer, it starts to come down again. And then Christmas, you know, this is, we call this seasonal weight gain. Our weight is supposed to go up and down like this. You know, weight maintenance is not keeping those scales at an exact number for the rest of your life. It's knowing how to not allow it to drift too far in either direction. You know, I've worked with many people who will be, you know, when, when, they, when people join us and they put their, we do their starting figures and we ask the question, tell us a bit about your dieting history. And it's like, oh, I've lost five stone three times, but always put it back on again. That's not weight maintenance. That's extreme weight gain and loss. That's what we're trying to get away from when the things that we teach. You know, if, if someone comes to me and says, oh, you know, this year I put on a stone, then I lost a stone. That's just, that's weight maintenance to me. You know, losing five kilos, gaining five kilos year after year. That's weight maintenance. Having the ability to perform maintenance on your weight if and when you feel you need to. We all know that, you know, we all, we all have comfortable weights. We all know where we are. I'm not comfortable right at this very second as I'm talking. My weight has increased a little bit over the summer. I started this year very, very lean. I went through this weird thing last Christmas where I was in a deficit and lost like 18 pounds through December. And started the year very lean at my lightest ever weight. Um, and that lasted until the springtime. 
and then the world opened up again. I even got two weeks holiday off this year, my first proper holiday, not like pretend holiday where I go on holiday somewhere else but still have my laptop with me and work. Um, so yeah, this was a very different year for me. And my weight is the outcome of how my year has went. And if I really feel the need to do something about it, then I will. That's weight maintenance. But people often feel very disempowered because, you know, they feel like they're just, you know, I'm past that point now. I know that if I want to do something about it, I can. Just like that. I know exactly what to do. There's no mystery. There's no hope. There's no fear. There's no self-limiting beliefs. It's like, yep, these are the things you do to lose weight. I will do them. I will lose weight. But I know that many people listening will have gone through these things in the past where it's like they're put off from dieting. They they know they would like to lose weight. They know they might want to look or feel a certain way. Maybe they have some health outcomes in mind. But they just cannot face yet another failed attempt at dieting. Anyway, I went super, super off topic on that one. Let me see what time we're on. 45 minutes. Good golly gosh. I did think to myself, 45 minutes would be a good length of time if I maybe picked two or three topics. Um, so yeah, all these other ones, I will need to come back to those next time. So I hope that has been useful. Um, I would be keen to hear, I don't know, like when I post this on Spotify, do I get comments? I can't remember. It goes on Spotify, it goes on Apple iTunes. I suppose I'll post this inside our coaching group um, and then I'll see how I feel about posting it to the wider world. Um, I should probably have had a notepad and taken some notes so I could do some bullet points for it, but never mind. Anyway, um, yeah, hope this has been useful. I'll be keen to hear feedback wherever there may be feedback to be heard, wherever it gets posted. Um, and yeah, keep the questions coming in. I'll pick two or three every time. We'll delve into them. I'll try and stay more on topic next time. And yeah, see you in a couple of weeks, maybe even a week because I did quite enjoy this.